Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of Chemistry for Your Life. I'm so excited. I'm Melissa. I am a Master's of Chemistry and I am currently still in school for trying to get my PhD in chemistry, which I question every day. You should probably cut that out. (laughs) I'm trying to get my PhD in chemistry and I absolutely love chemistry and all I want to do with my life is to share that with people and make it accessible to people. And that's part of what this podcast is. And I am Jam and I do not know anything about chemistry. Um, I like science, but more of what I bring to this podcast is questions because I want to understand and also podcast experience because I have another podcast called Podcast for Your Life um, that... Shameless plug. Shameless plug. But within the within the For Your Life family, um, this is a much more educational, much more um, learning podcast, whereas the other one is not at all that way. So uh, I'm excited to get to learn about chemistry with you guys as listeners. Woo. Yeah, chemistry. Okay, so the overall objective of this podcast is just to talk about the chemistry of your everyday life. There's chemistry all around us, and I found that there are a lot of people in my life who think chemistry is scary or boring or doesn't apply to them or they can't understand it. And what I found is just that that's not true. There is chemistry everywhere. It's easy to understand if you have the right teacher or worth it to take the time to understand Hmm. And it's not scary. It's really cool. But I think you need someone to sort of help you see that. Yeah. I had a really good high school teacher that did that for me that started opening that door. So I guess I'm predisposed to like science and want to yeah. want to like it. So maybe I'm not representing every listener. <laughs> so I'm biased a little bit already. But I, I do want to understand it. So I'm not coming with like a assuming it already makes sense, that kind of thing. So yeah. Okay, so today we're going to talk about how soap works. And this one is one that I love to tell people when I see soap bubbles flying around. I'm doing dishes and my roommates are nearby. But before we start about that, I do want to say something. So technically, I'm, quote, an expert Uh of chemistry. I have a master's degree in it. That makes me qualified to talk about it to some extent. I'm working towards a PhD in it. But I think what I thought before I was an expert and what lots of non-chemistry experts think is that chemistry experts know everything about chemistry Mm -hmm. but it's not true at all yeah so there are going to be a lot of times i have to say i don't know or Mm -hmm. i think or my best guess is this and i just want everyone to know that an expert doesn't mean i know everything it almost means that i know more of how much i don't know right yeah (laughs) but it does not mean that i know everything so there i'm not going to be the i won't know all the things yeah not the guru yeah that makes sense great okay so how soap works Okay, so I'm when I am talking about soap specifically, I'm not talking about antibacterial or any of that right now because I don't, okay. I'm not a biologist of any sort. But I, I'm talking about like dish soap, grease soap, okay. soap that gets your oily pan clean or whatever. Mm-hmm. So before we talk about soap, though, we have to talk about bonds. And before we talk about bonds, we have to talk about atoms. Okay. How know- much do you know about atoms? Okay, here's <laughs> what I know. So atoms are like the smallest like i guess they're not the smallest because they're made up of other particles mm-hmm. but basically the idea seems to me that like everything is made up of atoms that are s- somehow stuck together yes in some way so like the table yeah. that all our stuff is on it's like 
all pretty similar, a lot of pretty similar atoms, maybe like a makeup of different things because this is a plastic table. So maybe it's got a lot of stuff going on in there. But mm -hmm. essentially they're stuck together and they also are forming a solid, which allows us to put stuff on top of them. And there's protons, neutrons, and electrons yeah. in an atom. And electrons are revolving around, sort of. Okay, like that revolving around. So everything you said was true. That's a really good okay. understanding of atoms. But the revolving around model uh -huh. that you've seen, it's like the thing at the center and then like the orbits uh -huh. around it, like what you see on Big Bang or they put yeah, it on like yeah, makeup yeah. bags and stuff. That's not a really good representation of an atom, okay. actually. So it does have a positive center. It's got neutrons and um, protons at the center. And those are like, I remember seeing that diagram where they're like, they made um, one of them one color, one of them the other. So they're kind of like a ball mm -hmm. and they're stuck together. Yeah. Okay. So they're, those are at the center, okay. like pretty close together, stuck in together, like make a fist or that's the center. Okay. Then all around the center. So imagine you've like got your center and then there's a cloud around it of electrons. Cloud. Basically. I have heard that since, since being in like mm -hmm. school, like grade school or whatever. Yes. That it's more like a cloud than it is like, okay. Yeah. I, I, I think I had heard that but when i was taught mm -hmm. it as like a layman it was it was orbiting or whatever yeah so they don't have a specific orbit but they do sort of hang out around the positive center and electrons are negative okay so it's like you've got a negative cloud mm -hmm. floating it's got some specific shapes that it tends to take that doesn't really matter for okay. this conversation but you've got an, a negative cloud of electrons sort of surrounding a positive center okay okay so that's an atom Okay, so we need to talk about bonds. To talk about that, we've got to talk about atoms. Okay. So each atom has its own unique ability to pull the electrons closer to it. Okay. That's called electronegativity. So its ability to pull the electrons to it varies from atom to atom. Okay. Okay. So two atoms uh -huh. that share electrons is a bond. Okay, so those... Meaning like those atoms get like kind of stuck together. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and I think of it almost as they're holding hands. So there's an ideal number of electrons that each atom wants to have around it. Okay. So carbon wants eight, right? Okay. So if it doesn't quite have eight, it can bond with other things to add up to eight. Okay. Of its electrons. That part doesn't really matter a ton for this. It's more that just, you know, that they share electrons as okay. a bond. Cool. Cause I was going to say like, I have a lot of not confidence about my understanding of that but as long as i know that they they want to share electrons that they don't have the number that they want right that's why they stick together mm -hmm. they okay. stick together because basically they want to have an ideal number of electrons in their outer shell okay. so they get their ideal number of electrons by sharing electrons between each other and that's what holds them nearby one another and sharing is caring so we know that that's true even at the atomic level. Yes. Okay. Sharing is caring. And there are different types of bonds. The kind I'm describing to you is a covalent bond. It doesn't really matter what other bonds there are for the purpose of our conversation today. Okay. Sweet. But this type of bond is what we're looking at today. Okay. So the electrons are shared between two atoms. Okay. And if those two atoms have the same amount of electronegativity, so the same ability to pull electrons towards it. Mm-hmm. If they have the same ability to pull electrons towards it, then those electrons will be perfectly evenly shared between the two. Mm -hmm. It's a totally neutral bond with two positive centers and a uniform electron density around it. Okay. So a good example of that is nitrogen. 
nitrogen is usually actually in the Earth's atmosphere as N2. Okay. Two nitrogens bonded together. They have the same electronegativity because they're the same type of atom. Uh-huh. And so it's just all equally shared between the two. Okay. Okay. So in the tug of war of pulling for the electrons, they have the exact equal amount of strength. Okay. Okay. Sometimes two atoms with very different electronegativities will try to share electrons. Okay. When that happens, the one that's better at pulling the electrons towards it, the one with more electronegativity, will get more of the electron cloud on its side of Uh the bond, leaving the other side of the bond more positive exposed and not covered by negatives. Okay. You look like you have questions. Well, I sort of do. I think I'm not getting it quite yet, but so it sounds like it's out of balance in some way. Yes. Okay. That's Is that the main thing I should take away from that? Yes. Okay. So there's the perfectly neutral, evenly shared bonds that are totally in balance. Uh-huh. And then there's bonds that aren't that way, where part of the bond is has a higher concentration of electrons and is therefore slightly more negative. Okay. And the other part of the bond has an absence of electrons, making it more positive. Does that make it to where they have less strong of a connection anyway? Like the other ones that were like equal... Um, had equal desire for electrons and like made a really good pair. Um, is this, how does that affect their like ability to stick together, so to speak? I think their stick togetherness. So that's kind of, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure I can answer that off the top of my head. I it might may not be, be able relevant to go either, so I don't know. look into it. It's not super relevant because okay. we're not breaking bonds with soap. Okay. But we just need to know that there's the unequal pull of the tug of war. Okay. Tug of war. Got it. So the question you're asking is more about how the bonds would break and the energy it would take to break the bonds, uh-huh. the stick togetherness. We don't really need to get into that. Okay, sweet. It's a so, good question. But so in not- soap, it's a little bit out of balance is what you're saying. No, you're jumping way okay. ahead. I'm trying okay. to get my my like, <laughs> my like tangent back on, uh-huh, back but on now I, I have, but I haven't. <laughs> you have not it. successfully, and you've not successfully seen where this is going. Okay, so let's go back on our roadmap and make sure you're tracking with me. So okay. we know about atoms. Mm-hmm. We know that each atom has a different ability to pull the cloud of electrons towards itself. Yes. And then atoms will share electrons. Yeah. And sometimes they'll share them perfectly evenly between the two. Uh-huh. And when they share them perfectly evenly between the two, there's not a negative or a positive side. Okay. That's called a nonpolar bond. Okay. Then the other kind of bond we're talking about where the electron density will be pulled more to one side than the other, Uh that's called a polar bond. Got it. So one is positive or one's more positive, one's more negative. Yes. So usually- Like a magnet. mm -hmm, Exactly like a magnet. Got it. That's exactly right. Okay. So there's a partial positive we call and a partial negative. It's not as if all the electrons are on that side and it's negatively charged, but it just has- more negative on one side and more positive on the other. Okay. And the reason for the positive is basically there's an atom that's lost some electron density Got it. around okay. it. So that positive center is almost shining through. The protons and neutrons that are part of that atom are less... Surrounded. Yeah, okay. There's less negative to make their positive negative. To make their positive neutral. Neutral. Yeah. Got mm-hmm. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Okay, so those are the two type of bonds, polar and nonpolar. Got it. Okay, so this is where we get into everyday life of things around us. Okay. Polar bonds and nonpolar bonds, if you have a polar bond on a molecule and a nonpolar bond on a molecule, Uh they're not going to interact with each other. Okay. Nonpolar bonds like to interact with other nonpolar bonds. Okay. So they'll sort of stick together. 
Polar bonds like to interact with other polar bonds. They'll sort of stick together. Okay. So have you ever seen oil float on water? Yes, I have. And that shiny rainbow, if you see oil in the parking lot on Uh water, that's because the oil and the water aren't mixing. Yeah. Can you guess why? Because one is polar and one is not? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I was like, yes. Do you have a guess about which one's polar and which one's not polar? Um, I have heard that, I mean, this is like weird because I, I think a lot of times I'm reaching back into like learning from you in like middle school and high school. Yeah. And who knows how many misunderstandings are there because I didn't ask a question in class or because I just misremember. Yeah. But for some reason, I have a memory that water is polar. That's exactly right. Okay, cool. And yes. that oil, I guess in this case, isn't? I mean like... Oil is almost always nonpolar. Okay, sweet. Okay. And in my experience, most nonpolar things have an oily feel to them. Uh-huh. Ideally, you don't just stick your fingers in things in the lab, but every once in a while, maybe I got something really uh-huh. non-polar in my fingers and it has that oily feel to it. Oh, that actually kind of makes sense to me mm-hmm. now because like water, like you can like shake it off your hand easy. Like it's mm-hmm. just going to stick together in a droplet and then you mm-hmm. can be like, all right, or like just try that off. Yeah. But oil likes to like not stick together to itself. Yes. And like... It's so evident, even like in a drop, a few drop of oil. I think it's not that it doesn't like to stick together to itself. I think it's that you have, this is speculation. Okay. I think it's that you have oils on your fingers and the oil that you get on your hand sticks to the oils on your oh, fingers. Oh, got it. You don't yeah. usually have water as part of your skin. Right. I mean. I guess we do have water, but like, but, yeah, it always seems like even just visibly, like the the water wants to be its one, one mm-hmm. like droplet thing and yes. hold on to itself. Because there's natural oils on your skin and the water doesn't adhere ah. to those oils. Right. Okay. So that what you're coming up into is a uh-huh. chemistry. I don't know if it's really a theory or a law or anything, but we just say like dissolves like. Okay. So things that have like bonds or similar bonds will dissolve each other. Okay. Okay. And there's other types of bonds in water besides polar bonds. There's uh-huh. a special type called hydrogen bond. We don't really need to talk about that okay. for understanding soap. It's not important. Just knowing that there are different types of bonds and that similar bonds like to dissolve other similar bonds. Okay. So water and oil don't mix. Yes. Because of that. So here's the thing, though. If water and oil don't mix and you have a dirty pan and you're trying to clean it, it seems like the only other option is to get more oil on it to make it go away. But then there's still oil on your pan. Right. Yeah. That's weird. I've never really thought about it. I just know that water on its own doesn't really do anything. It's just like... Mm-hmm. Skates right over it. Skates right over it. So, yeah, it's pretty annoying. Okay, so what soap does that's so incredible to me, and it's even more incredible that they figured this out without knowing on a molecular reason why. Mm-hmm. So I think they used soap long before they knew the molecular reasoning behind why it works. Uh-huh. But soap is a molecule that has one really long nonpolar chain. Uh-huh. So almost like an oily type chain. Yes. And at the very end of that chain is a special group of atoms. Okay. It's called the functional group. Mm -hmm. And that group is very polar. Okay. So soap is made up of a nonpolar portion attached Uh to a polar portion. Oh, that is weird. It is weird. Don't people make soap out of like fat and stuff? Fat and also sodium hydroxide or lye Whoa. or base, which causes the chemical reaction that makes that function. Yeah. So it's yeah. not just like it's this natural occurring thing. No. It has to have been mixed with something. Because like, makes sense to me that there's an oil, there's the oil likeness. So I've, I've got to use some sort of oil to get oil off. Mm-hmm. And 
I've heard that it's made from fat, but then I'm like, but yeah, I can't just take some animal fat mm-hmm. and just like scrub it all over my pan. No, you can't. <laughs> that I mean, you can't gross. do that. That's, I think that's the theory behind cast iron pans, but. Oh, okay. But yeah, so you'd, it's animal fat mixed with sodium hydroxide uh-huh. that has a usually in heat and the chemical reaction takes place. So we have students actually make soap in labs uh-huh. almost every semester. I'm trying to think. I've taught a lot of different ones. We definitely did it in gen chem for non-majors because okay. it's just really cool for them to see soap. Yeah. And literally what they did was take vegetable oil and a base, mm-hmm. maybe something else. I don't remember off the top of my head. And they just stirred it over heat until it became soap. And then yeah. they would take... After the reaction happened, they would take some out and put it in a vial and shake it up with water and they would see the bubbles. They uh-huh. literally made their own soap. Interesting. Yeah. Man, that would be fascinating. It's so, really cool. That's crazy. So basically it's like as simple as one thing is uh, these these things just need to be combined. Like yes. there's this nonpolar deal that's mm-hmm. already part of like fat and oils. Yeah. And then if we can just get a little like polar thing on the end of that tail then we've got some soap going. Yes, exactly. And in situ, when mm-hmm. soap is actually working, pretty much what happens is uh-huh. you'll get a bunch of soap molecules that surround a pocket of grease. And so all of the little nonpolar tails surround it, surround it, surround it. All the nonpolar tails are touching the oily part, leaving basically a sphere of the part that likes water all sticking out. Okay. So it totally covers your, your grease or your oil or your fat uh-huh. with the non-polar part leaving the polar part sticking out and ready for the water to just come and wash it away interesting i've noticed sometimes like this is kind of like i just do this for fun so if i have a pan that's got some grease on it mm-hmm. put like a little bit of water and then you'll see that it, the grease usually kind of floats on top sometimes or whatever yeah so i'll i'll put a drop of soap just one drop in into that and then like something immediately happens yes. like it's like a visual like yeah and it looks like like in movies when there's like some nuclear explosion mm-hmm. that happens it looks like that but on this very tiny way <laughs> less significant scale but it is still cool to watch it's like the rainbowness kind of like just goes away yeah um and i've loved doing that for years and years not knowing why but mm-hmm. it's just like a little bit it makes dish, doing dishes like a little more fun yeah and now you'll never be able to do that thing without thinking about how soap works on a molecular level gosh that is crazy mm-hmm. so is that is that all the way down we get all the way down to the we got all the way down so you learned about atoms which make bonds and those different types of bonds the different types of atoms can make uh-huh. cause polarity and non-polarity and the way to bring polar things and non-polar things together is to have something that's a little bit of both man that's crazy okay so what if we try this what if we see, if I understand it, by me doing like the layman's version that summarizes all that okay. and see if I get it or not. I would like, love that. Because like if I misunderstood something, we could correct yeah. it. So now you teach me about how soap works. Yes. Yes. Which I've also heard that's like a thing that is like one of the theories in teaching is like mm-hmm. teach a thing and then have people try to repeat it back in their own way or whatever. So yeah. commit something to memory. So there are atoms. Atoms like stick mm-hmm. together. Um, because of a lot of different reasons, but sometimes <laughs> a lot of different reasons, mostly just wanting the right number of electrons. Okay. Wanting the right number of electrons. Sometimes they have the, uh, pleasure of that being a very mutual friendship mm-hmm. with other atoms. Mm-hmm. Other times it's a little bit not that way. Like yes. when you have a friend who borrows more things than they let you borrow. Yes, exactly. You're like still that. friends, mm-hmm. but you, you, one of you is giving up more than the other most times, mm-hmm. but totally fine. So when that happens, there's polarity kind of like a magnet 
because mm-hmm. one thing is giving up more electrons than the other. Mm-hmm. And so it just means that there's like an imbalance. Right. But it's not like magnet in that it's like this incredibly strong, like totally opposite. It's just that right. they have different negativity or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a spectrum. There can yeah. be slight differences or significant differences. Okay. So things that are polar, like water, mm-hmm. um, have stick together well mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then things that are non-polar mm-hmm. don't stick together well or they don't have as much like... Okay, you're close. Can I? It. Should I interrupt right now or should I let you keep talking? Maybe let me keep talking and then see if I get the rest get it. of it. Okay, okay. okay. So things that are non-polar... Uh, oh, dang it. This is harder <laughs> than I expected. Um, it's harder than I expected on my end, too. I thought this was going to be so simple, and then I realized that I had to go all the way back to explaining atoms to be able to explain soap. Because like in the, in the situation of, of soap, you've got some grease on a thing. That grease is non-polar. Mm-hmm. And you're putting water on it, and the water's mm-hmm. polar. Mm-hmm. And so it's not doing anything because they don't really interact well. Like they can't just affect each other on their own mm-hmm. because they're just they're different. Yes. Um, so they, that's why we see them separate. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're like hate each other. It's just that they don't have a way at the moment of interacting. Right. Something like that. Yes. Okay. And so soap is this magical thing mm-hmm. that scientists figured out. <laughs> I like to saying scientists. It makes it sound like people in a room that are always like working on this stuff. Every That's s- what scientists are. That's all we do. We only yeah. wear lab coats and stay in the lab. Yeah, right. Because someone's got to figure this stuff out. Right. They don't get to have lives. So some uh, some person somewhere sometime figured out if they took some version of a non-polar mm-hmm. like oil or grease from an animal or whatever and mixed it with something that is polar specifically that would work with it like like in this case you said sodium chloride hydroxide hydroxide mm-hmm. very different sodium <laughs> hydroxide you don't know at all if those are different yeah I don't know. <laughs> um no oh sodium chloride salt isn't it yes it okay. is that's probably why it came up there's a great brain. reference to that in the west wing where she's really excited when she figures out that sodium chloride is table salt but ah. that's sort of a tangent so the if, if you can have something like sodium hydroxide that mixes with the oil, it, it can allow the crazy weirdness of, the, of a nonpolar chain that has a polar piece on it. Mm-hmm. So like at that very basic, like if you could look at it in a microscope, it'd probably look funky, right? Mm-hmm. Like especially if you compare it to the polar molecules of water. Yeah, it, oil. it basically looks like a long chain of something sort of like spaghetti mm-hmm. with um, attached to a really, really different group of atoms. So it's a okay. bunch of carbons and hydrogens. And at the very end, it's attached to like oxygens. Where, where did that come from? In a pretty unique arrangement. But it does look pretty funky if you're not used to seeing that kind okay. of thing. And so that is the key because mm-hmm. it can actually allow the water and the oil to interact at that point Mm -hmm. um, because it has both things in it. That is a pretty good understanding. I feel like if there are scientists listening right now and they hate me because I'm personifying or allowing the personification of atoms, Uh that's their problem. Some scientists really hate that, but I liked Uh, what you said about... I don't hate that. I use that a lot. I liked what you said about 
how they were friends and there's an unequal friendship. Huh. They're still friends, they're still bonded, but huh. it's sometimes not all friendships are the same. Not all bonds are the same. So I really liked okay. that. Okay. That was a great understanding of different types of bonds. Okay, so that's a good understanding of the different types of bonds. The thing that you kind of mixed up okay. was about polar and nonpolar. Okay. So an atom is one thing. A molecule uh-huh. is a group of atoms. Yes. So a group of atoms made up of a nonpolar bond uh-huh. wants to interact with another group of atoms made up of a nonpolar bond. So they just like each other. Each other. So it's not that oil doesn't stick together. It's that oil sticks to other oil. Okay. Nonpolar things stick to other nonpolar things. And with polar things like water, water likes to stick to other watery things. Okay. Polar likes to stick to polar. So it's so, like dissolves like. So like just, interacts with like. Yeah. They're just not looking for each other. They're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm looking for more water. Yes. And the oil's like, no, no, sorry, I can't. I'm actually looking for more oil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And okay. then there's a something that brings the two together. They don't actually interact with each other, uh-huh. but it's like all the nonpolar tails of the soap are holding hands. So imagine a big group of nonpolar people. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So then, and then there's a big group of polar people uh-huh. and there's a group of people that are half polar and half nonpolar. Okay. So there's a group of polar people. Uh-huh. There's a group of nonpolar people. Mm-hmm. They only hold hands with others that are like them. Okay. So the one that's half and half, half polar, half nonpolar, mm-hmm. it can hold hands with all the nonpolar people on its nonpolar half. Ah. So imagine a ring of nonpolar yeah. people surrounded by a ring of half and half people. Mm-hmm. So they're, Nonpolar half is pointing mm-hmm. in, and their polar half is pointing out. Yeah. Then allowing them to hold hands with polar people. So it's almost like a converter kind of thing. We're like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm allowed to take in one type of thing on this part, and mm-hmm. another part, another thing on this part, like a power conversion kind of thing. Yes. If you travel overseas, yeah. or like, I don't know, any kind of converter, like the things we're using to plug the computer into. Like, right. Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. So then suddenly you've got this piece that allows these two things that didn't want to interact before to like interact. Yes. It's like a a nice barrier that allows these two things to interact. So now your non-polar bonds are totally covered with polar bonds, allowing the water, which is also polar, to wash them away. Man. Okay. And Here now your go. pan is clean. That is fascinating. And it makes a lot of sense. It actually, a lot of science does make a lot yeah. of sense. It actually, it's like, okay, yeah, duh. I've everybody's witnessed like oil and mm-hmm. water not mixing, and right. then everybody's like witnessed, oh, yeah, I've got to have soap in this. Mm-hmm. It's like we know that it is coming between and allowing this thing that we need to happen, cleaning it mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah, and we know it doesn't happen without it, not just because soap smells good, but because it's like you're not going to get anywhere. You can put water all over that thing all day, yes. and it's not going to like get it clean uh-huh. i think in my spatula is like coats it with oil uh-huh. because i used it on butter or whatever and uh-huh. then i put a little bit of dish soap and then it gets the squeaky feel the yeah. squeaky clean feel. yeah yeah we what's funny too is that we did um not at all with the same objective at all we did an episode about soap on podcast for your life but just kind of talking about the idea of it and some of the stuff that's like it's obviously cultural and there's like mm-hmm. um but we had a lot of questions that we couldn't answer. <laughs> like, I think at one point, one of us said something about it being just like this. I don't think we realized how manufactured it was or how much mm-hmm. it needed to be. I was like, 
man, do we, do we just find soap somewhere in, in the earth? And then like started realizing like, wow, you just throw this thing in there and it starts getting things clean. So um, I don't, I, and that's one thing I don't know. I don't know no. how they discovered soap. I didn't look into that at all. Mm-hmm. I know that people were using soap, lye and animal fat uh-huh. long, long before. I guess I don't know for sure. Long, long before. Yeah. I should track back and say, I assume that mm-hmm. people figured out that you can mix lye what they call lye is sodium hydroxide uh-huh. and animal fat and make soap long before scientists figured out the intermolecular forces and everything that was going on True. to allow that it's to be, be possible. Yeah. I don't know how all that happened. I also, I don't know for sure if you said this, I think you might have, but when you were explaining it back to me, uh-huh. sodium hydroxide reacts with this so uh, with the nonpolar groups like the oil and stuff to uh-huh. make a new thing. Did okay. you say that? At first, it um, seemed like you thought it a, just like attached, but it doesn't. So it reacts, and that's and then that forms soap. It reacts and forms a new thing, which is soap. Which yeah. is soap. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. The reaction is actually called saponification. Whoa! So that's why it's called soap. Saponification. I know, I think I I actually wonder if maybe the soap came first and then saponification came after. Got it. Okay. So here's a question. Maybe I should have looked into the history, but that would have made this way longer. I think. Yeah. That would make it longer. And I think there's there's history things. There's history podcasts. And depending on the thing, um, it could take so much more time. Yeah. Whereas like really just explaining it, like now I'm like, whoa, every time I use soap, I'm not going to, like you said, I'm not going to be able to not think about mm-hmm. the the what the chemistry is going on in my sink. Every time you do the poof, yeah, you'll have to remember what I just told you. I guess it's not weird even to say that it's like a little bit like an atomic bomb because there is an atomic thing that's going on <laughs> yeah it's, it's all chemical reactions yeah. everything is chemical reactions your soap atomic bomb yeah your real atomic bomb yeah one's significantly more energy everything is atoms interacting and energy either being taken in or released that's a broad thing to say i'm not 100 sure i can back it up but i'm pretty confident yeah <laughs> hey wow that's soap that's Man. soap very cool anything i missed or anything else i need to understand about it um no i think you got it i think you understood what happens i think you have a good understanding of soap okay so we finished that's soap that's how soap works awesome. you learned something new today yes a lot of things i think a lot of things what yeah. was your favorite thing that you learned um hmm. or what did you like most what's most what's most satisfying about this experience i think the the way that you then explained it like one if you have people who are half polar half non-polar and they're holding hands it kind of made me like i like i'm very techie so the idea Mm -hmm. of a converter then came to mind and so i think that unlocked it for me a little bit more strongly yeah um and so that was that stood out to me is like oh yeah like there's a little bit of like that Mm -hmm. kind of a moment of like okay yeah that makes sense yeah and that's the key so that's the thing i hope people can take away is it's great for you to learn about bonds and everything, but if yeah. you don't understand why they impact what you're working with, mm-hmm. then you still don't really know yeah. how the everyday application is. So I really hope that helped other people to unlock it too. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for the very first episode of Chemistry for Your Life. Yeah, we've got a lot of ideas for other episodes that we want to do and other chemistry in everyday life that we want to talk about, but we also want to hear from you. So if you guys have any ideas about 
things that you want to hear about the chemistry of explained in your everyday life, please reach out to us. We're on Twitter and Instagram at chem for your life. So that's Kim F O R your life. And we're also on Gmail at KimForYourLife at gmail.com. We don't have a Facebook right now. Just Jam and I both are not on Facebook, mm-hmm. but we're working on that. Very soon. Um, very soon. So we'd love to hear from you. Please reach out and let us know what you think. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks. This episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Kalini and Jam Robinson. Jam Robinson is our producer, and we'd like to give a special thanks to Autumn Kiwasong, who reviewed this episode. Mm-hmm.